1: Welcome to City Church U's Knowing God Guided Reading Podcast. We hope you will join us this holiday season as we read J.I. Packer's modern classic, Knowing God.
0: All right, guys. Well, thanks again for tuning in to the Knowing God Christmas Study. We're talking about chapter 8 today, about the majesty of God. And I'm excited to talk some about this because I think that the majesty of God is one of those phrases or like one of those words as it's kind of like thrown around that people just it just seems like the right thing to say like there's like certain things when people pray that they're like god your majesty it just like feels like you know not to make light of you know god's majesty but just there are certain words that are used a lot that we don't really pause and think about and reflect on and i think this Mm -hmm. falls into that category so yeah um you know packer opens up and talks about the latin means greatness the greatness of god um, the word majesty, when applied to God, is always a declaration of His greatness and an invitation to worship. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I thought that was good. Let's let's talk momentarily just about what does that look like? Because when we talk about an invitation to worship, I don't. I think we all agree that that doesn't mean like. Just to stop like musical style and just start singing, <laughs> right? Like just any moment, like, oh, I gotta, you know. So what does it look like? What is this, what is this invitation to worship look like?
1: I kind of see it as as in we should be drawn in to praise him. Mm-hmm. That his when we are um you know we're in recognition of his greatness as we study more and we we grow in, in our knowledge of him and his you know he he is majestic mm-hmm. and i that's it's just not an adjective we mm-hmm. use so often which i <laughs> yeah. think you're talking about um but in his majesty that he is praiseworthy mm-hmm. and he is the only being i mean mm-hmm. he is god who whom is worthy of mm-hmm. praise in that way? Um, so I think like the invitation to worship, which I love that he stated it like that, is that the gr- knowing the greatness of God should lead us into worship in in our thoughts, mm-hmm. in our actions, like we worship God and how we live our lives as well. So I think it's really in in all areas that we should be led to praise him. And that looks like a lot of different things, but just the fact that we, we are taking that step from like, I'm not just going to say like, Hey, God is great. Mm -hmm. It's actually going to lead me Mm -hmm. to worship him Mm. as our God.
2: Yeah. I totally lost my train of thought. Oh yeah. Um, when, uh, When he, at the beginning of the book, talked about just meditation, Mm -hmm. I think this is really where this starts to come in. Mm -hmm. Like when we start to talk about, you know, the majesty of God or the greatness of God, this is the kind of thing I feel like should really like pull us into worship. Yeah. Um, Kind of begin drawing our minds to more, like God is way more than us, and he's way more than anyone we know, the greatest person or thing that we could think of. Um, And I think that's how worship, like, really starts to become real for us and how you can really begin to, like, meditate on God.
0: Yeah, I think, too, when we talk about, like, the majesty of God, a lot of times people go to, to visual things like, you know, when I walk out of my house at night, it's really dark in the area I live, and you can look up and you can see all of these stars, and, like, you know, it can draw out of me, admiration towards the Lord for His mm-hmm. creation and how glorious yeah. He is. I think that was what you are referring to of of like an acknowledgement of the goodness and the glory and the greatness of God. And, you know, Paul in Romans 12 talks about, you know, we present our lives as a living sacrifice. This is our true worship. Mm-hmm. That like worship and acknowledging majesty is not just in the song and the truth that we sing, but also in the thoughts that we have and the posture mm-hmm. we have, What how it... Like, where does our heart wonder when we see these glorious things in creation? And for me, like, I had a—I remember I was doing a staff teaching for something, and we were talking about, you know, God God caring for the birds, like in, in, in reference to Jesus talking about anxiety and just that the, the birds are cared for. And, you know, I'm thinking— you know, like, I I love to fish, and I like to understand fish, and it's a fun thing. (laughs) Like, I'm in the middle of God's creation. It's so complex. It's so vast. There's just so much going on. And and I remember, like, a couple years ago, I just had this, like, mind-blowing thing where it's like, there are just billions upon billions of fish, like, just swimming around nonstop, like, this entire ecosystem, this whole world that like exists and it just keeps going and going and going And I think a lot of times when we like experience life we're always seeing everything like a movie like mm-hmm. it's like it's just what's happening right in front of us but like the vastness of God's creation and how he created ecosystems and food chains and the expanse of space I mean all of that is just declaring His majesty and throughout our life as we're presented with different things, whether it's what we read in his word or what we see, You know, like Paul talks about, you know, um, the heavens declaring, you know, Scripture talks about the heavens declaring the majesty of God. I think um, it's important, you know, for us to get what Packer's trying to unpack in this chapter. Um, He also talks about, you know, having small thoughts or small views of God. What are some common small views of God that that we see adapted today or, or taken in today?
2: I think a common one is like just thinking in our minds that someone is too far gone to be saved mm. like oh no like that guy you know like i know what he does on the weekends kind of thing like he's he's too far gone to be saved, or you know i just wouldn't want to hang out with him wouldn't want to talk to him that sort of thing i think is like small thought of god that you know sin is sin god's like saves people from it mm-hmm. um big or however small it may look on the outside um, I definitely think that's that's one that I've struggled with in the past, like thinking like, oh, I don't know, you know, um, and just not trusting that, you know, God is bigger than something like that.
1: Yeah, I think minimizing the qualities of God that we can know to be true in the Bible and that, you know, his all-powerful nature, his all-knowing, His how he cares for and loves his people and and we, I think that we, when we question his capabilities, so like you're talking about Hank, that, you know, God is almighty to save and for us to put him in a box and say, he's, you know, he is never going to reach that guy mm. or, mm. you know, and I, and I think that we just are used to um, kind of the way that we think that. Some sin is worse than other sin, or we we try to like put things in a list like this is by far the worst thing I've ever heard, and things like yeah. that that when we're saying that someone is unreachable, you know, what does that say about God? Yeah, first of yeah. all, like we're wrong, but we're also putting god we're taking away qualities that he has said to be true of himself and so i just think we have to be really careful because sometimes we won't um think that we are really doing like we don't think of it as like a disservice to god because we don't realize what by what we're saying or functionally how we're living what what that says about god we don't connect all the dots you know i
2: think too like we can make god small when we always view God as working when things are going well. You know, like, oh, God is is really working in my life right now. You know, I just graduated. I got the job. I got engaged. You know, all these things are, like, coming together for me. But then when everything absolutely falls apart for some reason, we tend to think that God is not working.
1: Yeah, or God is abandoned. God
2: is, you know, He's not with me. I don't don't feel Him. Where is He? Like, He is just as, as much, maybe more at work, in, like, the absolute struggle of life Mm -hmm. than he is when you're just soaring, you know? That's so
1: true.
0: I was going to mention, too, a small view of God that often isn't associated as a small view of God is thinking that God doesn't care about what we might label as small sins or, like, little -hmm. little sins, where it's like we kind of view God as some sort of... You know, like, when when you go to a camp, like a summer camp or something, and there's, like, a guy patrolling around, and, like, we kind of (laughs) view, like, this patrolling God that's not omniscient Mm -hmm. and all-knowing. He's not omnipresent and all-present. And we think, think like, you know, God doesn't care about these areas of my life, and it's a small view of God because we, you know, kind of what you said, Hank, like, we think, like, God cares about, sure, like, God cares about, like all these quote unquote big things, but all these like little things, like what I do with my girlfriend, what I look at on my phone, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I do with my money. Like, God's got yeah. bigger fish to fry. Oh, That's a small view it, yeah. of God, yeah, you know, and not to n- not only an improper view of ourselves, but we'll talk about that in a moment. But a small view of God, something I think that that is important too is you know, we talked about like. God being majestic, and I, I kind of reference, I think, where most people go of just like looking at the stars or mountains or creation, like just experiencing different parts of creation. A lot of times, like, will stir within us this kind of view of the majesty of God or seeing Him in the Scriptures. But but at the same time, He is personal, and I think that's the tie to what I was just mentioning. But um, how how does this play out in our lives? Like the the fact that God's not only ma- majestic, but He's also personal.
1: Yeah, I think like the that truth that he knows each of us personally and and knows all of our thoughts and the hairs on our head like it that is very difficult to um, wrap our human minds around and and Packer talks about this on page eighty three but just how God being personal we can't compare that to how we're personal or personable to each other. Like it's not a human trait. Mm -hmm. It's a godly Mm -hmm. trait. Um, But I think that there's a real sense of intimacy there when Mm -hmm. we can see it in the right perspective as God as majestic and great, but also personal um, that he is the perfect father. And so I think of like the father figure who, um, has great concern for his children and is gentle and tender and sympathetic and patient and compassionate. And, you know, we can't, and I think we we just, in recognizing his majesty, can't lose sight of his, you know, how he is personal yeah. as well.
2: Yeah, he's not, like, he's not outside of it all. Mm-hmm. I feel like often, like, we'll say, like, God is majestic, and we'll think, like, you know, grand picture, which is good to think of. But also, like, he's personal. Um, Page 84, it says, um, But a living person, thinking, feeling, active, approving of good, disapproving of evil, interested in his creatures all the time. Like, he is interested in our lives. Not in the way that he doesn't understand what is going on in them, but that he personally cares for his creation. Um, Human beings being, like, his pinnacle of creation that he made.
0: I think, that's, I think that's helpful, and something that he he talks about, too, and on, on page 85, he asked this question, I think it's good, how may we form a right idea of God's greatness? And something that we think a lot about, because we're on staff with, with City Church U, is how do we help form college students' thoughts about God and about His Word in a way that will suit them and serve them for the rest of their life, wherever they go next? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that as I grow older, I see more of God's greatness in the, the personal things and in the things that, are, that seem grand and majestic. Um, how do we do that? How do we, wor- how do we try to
2: form right thoughts
0: about who God is?
2: I think it starts with Bible intake. I really do, like, just a consistent reading of the Word. It doesn't mean you have to understand everything going on, but consistently reading the Word so that, like, your every day is influenced from the Scriptures. Um, Just, you know, taking some time in the morning um, to, you know, just take a step back, you know, stop thinking about what, you know, you have to do throughout the day and just think about, you know, how God is working in your life. Maybe write out some ways you've seen God working in your life, just thinking through the scriptures and trying to have more of, like, a heavenly mindset of, like, thinking about how God is actually, like, active.
1: Yeah, that's great. And something that made me think of, Hank, when you were talking was when we are reading our Bibles, um, which we know to be God's revelation of himself – to actually take note of when God talks of his own characteristics, when Jesus <laughs> mm-hmm. talks of his own attributes. Mm-hmm. And and it's not only that, because we can see through other Bible stories. We can point out ourselves God's nature and his characteristics in, um, in those Bible stories. So I think that just not to pass over... Um, that information, to like mm-hmm. actually really take that in and not to think of like, well, I know people, I know people who are compassionate, but this is God and in his compassion for the people that he loves. So it is on such a grander scale. Anyway, I just, I think that's something that's been helpful for me as we have just had more Bible engagement lately, as we go through mm-hmm. our Bible reading plan that I just can see God's character in the scriptures, but you have to be, you just can't glaze over it, I mm-hmm. think. Um, and that's kind of been key for me.
0: Yeah, I think obviously we all agree that the, the primary shaping um, element in the way that we see the world and the paradigm we have is, is the word. But there's also like a significance too in a lot of other rhythms that we have in our life where like as a church when we sing corporately, like, even that, you know, is, has a way in which, as we sing these truths together, it has a forming sense in our mm-hmm. heart that we begin to believe them or desire them or acknowledge them. I think something that's important to mention here, too, is, is maybe some of the things that are forming our view in negative ways. Like, this is where we think so much of what we consume is neutral the television we watch, the movies we watch. Yeah. And we have to be careful to say, okay, are these things forming an incorrect view of who God is, how great God is. Um, and I think that's really important, too, to, to consider as we uh, talk about this. Um, if you go to page 88, we're talking about our response to majesty. Um, it's a really great way to, to close it out. But he talks about, you know, that there's wrong thoughts about God, and then there's wrong thoughts about ourselves. And those things are often linked, you know, like mm-hmm. one uh, improper view of God leads to an improper view of ourself and vice versa. How have you guys seen this play out in our culture
2: today? Yeah, what what he really gets at here is, like, sort of this, like, negative thought, feeling of abandonment, feeling like God's not, you know, close to us, which— speaking from personal experience, like that can happen, Mm -hmm. you know, that can happen often, more often than we would want it to, that we feel like, you know, God is not with me. I don't feel like I'm walking with the Lord. Um, But really like that does come from a, you know, disability in our thought about God because God has, he, he has not left us. He's closer than we know, you know, he knows you. Better than you know you, mm. um, yeah. I think that's kind of what he was getting at. I don't.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that—that's that small view of God, like mm-hmm. you know, to to say that.
1: Yeah, and and so he he says our our thoughts of God are not great enough. We fail to reckon with the reality of His limitless wisdom and power. And once we can recognize that, that I am not thinking highly enough of God. Mm -hmm. Like this is a consistent issue. This is, you know, and, and in that sin to, to repent and, um, and to start to find God's greatness and, and praise him for that. Um, and he, and he says under number two, he never abandons anyone on whom he has set his love, nor Mm -hmm. does Christ. Um, and so, but I think where we can make the correction in our thoughts of God often like the outer workings of that is that it corrects our, our um, unhealthy or just wrongful thoughts of ourselves. And so um, how important is it that we can, um, you know, look to God and, and pray for help in that area as we, and, and the hope is like you do, you do, invest time in the scriptures to try to make that correction yeah. instead of just you know giving up or you know just sitting there in the in the tension it's okay to have tension but like to work through it and come to a place where you see like well it's because my thoughts of god are not are not great enough mm-hmm. so help me get there help me see that
0: yeah one of my favorite songs is called a prayer by King's Kaleidoscope Which had a lot of controversy (laughs) around it because um, in the original recording, uh, there's Mm -hmm. a a curse word in there because it was something taken out of like a uh, journal that the um, lead singer had would write prayers in during like anxiety and panic attacks and things. And I think it's a really good song. There's a really cool part where. He's asking Jesus, "Where are you? Am I still beside you?" And they have a huge pause in the song. Yeah, it's and like then fifteen they have, seconds. It's oh, like yeah. it's it's really powerful. If you haven't heard it, it's it's worth listening to. It's it's actually the music and the writing and everything's really emotional. And then Jesus answers back after fifteen minutes of silence, like "I'm right beside you." And to me, I think that's a really powerful song because you know, God does not abandon us, but there are times that we feel that way, mm-hmm. and it's okay to say, I feel like right now, I just don't, I don't feel like God is right here, and to be honest and mm-hmm. to pray about it, but yeah. to give an illustration of that that I think is kind of funny is, like, it's kind of like in, like, a kid's movie or cartoon where, like, somebody has, like, their their helmet or their headband, like, covers their eyes, and like, where's everybody at? Where's everybody at? You know, and they're panicking, and then all of a sudden, they, like, pull up their their hat or helmet or whatever, and they can see everyone. Oh, oh, okay, everyone's still right here. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to realize that in those seasons where we don't feel like God is here, it's not because he's changing or moving away. It's just because we are not as aware. Like our eyes aren't as keyed in. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I love how he ended the chapter. He said, The need for us is to wait upon the Lord in meditations on His majesty till we find our strength renewed through the writing of these things upon our hearts. Mm. So sometimes we are waiting for transformation of the heart Mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a Christian, we have hope in that waiting. Mm. Um, And so to wait is to hope. And we're also waiting for... You know Jesus to return, mm. and anyway, it's not—it's not a hopeless waiting. Um, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. Mm, that's good. Well, I'm excited to go into chapter nine, and uh, thank you guys for listening. We hope that it's helpful to you, and we hope you guys are having a great Christmas break.